All right, more than anything, tonight I want to bless you and I want God to meet with you. I want God to meet with you, help you, speak to you, uh, guide you, all that goodness. So I'm going to start by blessing. I'm going, to, I'm going to bless you all. I bless you now in the name of Jesus, that you would know Jesus more wonderfully. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to receive the guidance from God that you need, the help from God that you need. I bless you to flourish and prevail over every challenge that you're facing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope and joy and love and peace, whatever your circumstances. I bless you with that now in the name of Jesus. May it be. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the plan for today is to introduce the Jesus series, which is going to be running from now until Easter time or so. I've got a lot of excitement about this series, and basically because salvation and prodigals returning, salvation is on Jesus' heart for, for this church this season. Very clearly and, and confirmed over and over again, I keep hearing Jesus say, I want See, to see people come to Jesus, I want revival to break out in every hope at our church. And so, man, so in light of that, I heard that in November. I'm like, okay, well then let's talk about Jesus. Let's, let's get right to it. And let's spend some time just looking at how extraordinary Jesus is. I believe Rehope is always a great place to bring people. Of course I would. <laughs> but I, in this next series, I'm telling you, I am so expectant. That God is going to be helping people hear the good news about Jesus, get it, and respond. If you've been holding back at sending that text, you know, would you ever consider ever coming to church, to this most awesome church I've ever been to and ever in my life uh, with me? Uh, you know, or just like asking somebody, hey, you want to come to church? Man, this is a season. I, I think this is a season. Jesus... The Holy Spirit is going to be helping you with this, and uh, expect, expect actually more positive response than ever, because revival and salvation is in, on God's heart, and people who have been away from Jesus for a long time to, to return and to be saved. So I'm, just, I'm expectant of going into this. Today we're going to be talking about Jesus, kind of the, the, the theology of Jesus. You would call it Christology if you're one of those geeky types. I am not a geeky type. What I call it is the wow of Jesus. Uh, just how amazing Jesus is. If we only think of Jesus as he, as we are going to be studying in the Gospels, and after this week, that's where we're going to be spending our time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If we're, but if we're only thinking of Jesus as he is in the Gospels, we're going to be missing how Jesus pretty much always is, except for that brief moment in time. So I, I want to zoom back today, and I just want to remind ourselves who Jesus is. And before we dive into this very small amount of time, very significant amount of time, but very small amount of time. All right, so who is Jesus? That, that's the question we're going to be talking about today. Jesus, God, he's actually God, he's actually God, he's the eternal, all-powerful God. He is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. Now, some of you think, oh, wait. 
I like to think of, you know, God the Father, what God the Father does and what God the Son does and what God the Holy Spirit does. I, I think of God the Father as the creator and God the Son, Jesus, as the Savior. But when John starts his gospel and he's like, I want to write to you about Jesus. I've got 21 chapters. I don't know if he knew he had 21 chapters. I've, got, I've only got so many pages. I've only got such one size of book here. Like, I want to tell you, I'm going to start off with what you need to know. The first thing you need to know about Jesus is this. In the beginning was the Word, meaning Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. But then it says something else right off the bat. All things were created through Jesus. All things were created through Jesus. Apart from Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. Now again, this, this is supposed to maybe challenge some of the, the boxes that we like to put the different uh, members of the Trinity in. But, but what, one of the things that is so clear is that Jesus is creator. He, he is the creator. All things created through Jesus. It's not, just, it's not just John that writes about this. Paul writes about this as well in Colossians chapter 1. He says that he, Jesus, is the image, the visible, of the invisible God. He is the seeable of the unseeable God. Okay? That's Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. That's, that's a title, not, not an actual birth reality. It is, it's, a, it's a title meaning number one. You know, King of kings, Lord of lords. Whatever's the top, top, top. Whatever's the number one. He's the number one. Of all, of, all, of all creation, firstborn over all creation, and then, it, and then Paul says exactly the same thing. For everything was created by Jesus. Everything was created by Jesus in heaven and on earth, uh, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been cr created through Jesus and for Jesus. Next time you're reading... The first chapter in the Bible, you get to page one, and you, you, you read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In my understanding, God the Father says, let there be light, and Jesus makes the light. That's my understanding based on what Paul's writing. And, and John, John, this guy who is walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, walking along the road, lots of undocumented conversations. When John wants you to know about Jesus, this guy that he knows and, 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 and walked with, he's the creator, first, first thing. He was, he's God, and he's the creator. So that's our starting point as we're talking about Jesus in the Gospels. He is God, creator. That's not all he is. Who is Jesus? God, creator, but also the number one of heaven. The, the commander of, of heaven, the number one, the first, the top boss of heaven. Um, you read Joshua recently? The book of Joshua, there's, this, there's a story where Joshua, I'm pretty sure, meets Jesus. I, I, in my read, he's meeting Jesus. And, and let me read it and, and show you why I think this is Jesus, the, the image of the invisible God. When, it says, when Joshua was near Jericho, in the book of Joshua chapter 5, 
he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground and homaged him and asked him, what does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And, and Joshua did that. Now, why do I think this is Jesus? God. Well, I mean, Joshua bows down to him. And then this being says, take off your sandals. Just like what Moses experienced with the burning bush, take off your sandals. When, when Moses was there meeting God at the burning bush, he takes off his sandals because the ground is holy. Same, same context here. Take off your sandals. This is, this is holy ground. And I'm pretty confident that, uh, that this is Jesus because angels of heaven do not allow you to worship them. You're, you're not, angels, even even big deal angels, they're all big deal, uh, but even big deal angels, like, like they don't allow you to worship because it's, it, they want you to only worship God. Where this being is like, no, no, this is, this is good, this is okay. In fact, let's take this further. Take off your sandals. I'm pretty sure this is Jesus who is the image of the invisible God, the commander of the angel armies, the number one of heaven. Who is Jesus, number one of heaven? Who is Jesus? God, creator, number one of heaven. And he's the one who makes things right. He, he, he's not this God that just made things and set them in motion and stands back and says, good luck, kids. No, no, no. I love this about God. He's not standing back from a distance. God is watching us. No. That is awful theology. And awful theology. No, he's, he's the one who is active, involved, paying attention, and he's intervening in, in lives. He's making things right. He's making things right. So Jesus is the one who's going to be fixing everything. He's going to be remaking everything, restoring everything. If, if things aren't going to be remade or restored, he's going to remove them. He's going to remove them. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they... They get tricked in the garden. And the, the, the serpent, the devil, the deceiver, uh, got them to sin by eating the fruit from the forbidden tree. And as a result, everything broke. Everything in creation broke. The, the, the ground is cursed. Creation is cursed. Romans chapter 8 talks about the, how the earth is groaning. They're groaning. There, there's a brokenness that you see everywhere in your lives. Sin, evil, wrongness, brokenness. You've experienced it. You carry scars from it. You carry open wounds maybe of it. May those heal now in Jesus' name immediately. But there, there, is, there is a brokenness that, that we can all perceive. And Jesus, one of his great jobs is that he is in your, he's engaged with everything that's going on to heal, restore, fix, renew. But anyways, uh, at this moment, when, when Adam and Eve, when they, when they sinned, everything broke, and death became the reality of every living thing on earth. Every living thing. Death became a problem. Even one time, I only ate one bite 
from the wrong fruit. Just one little thing, yeah, but yet sin enters, brokenness enters, wrongness enters. And, and we realize all through the Bible that sin is a, is, a, is a major issue, that the death issue impacts every person, every living thing. And because of this issue, we're separated from God. We're separated from God because, because God, God, the Father is so holy and so pure that, that to get near God, it, it, to approach God, uh, you, you just get consumed because our unholiness and, and when His holiness come together, they're, they're incompatible and the holiness of God just consumes. That's why people are like, you can't see God and live. That's this, this repeated line throughout the Old Testament. The awesome holiness of God, of God the Father. It's, it's, there's a separation now between unholy people and holy God. Genesis 3 on, there's a problem. But, but the good news is, even though the issue, the problem is awful, and it is so awful. So awful, as you know, and, you, and you've experienced. It's so awful. Jesus comes to make things right. He has been working to make things right. He will continue to work to make things right until all things are made right. He's the one who makes things, and that's the promise of God. In the Old Testament, it continues to be the promise of God. In the New Testament, I guess that brings us to another thing that I need to say about this Jesus. He's God. He's the creator. He's the one who makes all things right, and he is the promised one from the beginning. He's the promised one. He's the promised one. Things broke in Genesis chapter 3, but in Genesis chapter 3, there was also a promise given. Genesis 3.15, that, that one will come that will, that will crush the head of the deceiver, the serpent. In the New Testament, we read that this was Jesus. We read in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that, that Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Also, you get that in Hebrews 2.14 as well, that, that same imagery. But, but that there's one that's going to come that's right when everything breaks, we also get the great uh, beginning of the great promises start to unfold. And all through the Old Testament, you get this promises after promises describing, giving hope, giving hope that what this, what this promised one is going to do. Whether, whether it's to, to Abraham in chapter uh, 12 of Genesis or 15 of Genesis as well, that, 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 this, that all the earth is going to be blessed. Through this, this promised one, that all nations, you, you see promises in all these books of the Bible. Uh, another one is in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, you, you get these, this description of the, the anointed one, or Jesus, the promised one that's going to come. And, and we're like, okay, what is he going to be like? He's going to put an end to sin. He is going to atone for wickedness. He is going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Like from the beginning of time, from the, well, at least from the broken moment of time in Genesis, there has been this message of hope that one will come, a promised one will come to make all things right and, and to, to, to restart restoring all things. Now, we, we, know, we, we know that, that um, it hasn't been anybody in the Old Testament, no matter how amazing they are, whether they're not, it wasn't Abraham God's friend, Moses wasn't good enough or righteous enough, King David wasn't amazing enough. Even the most righteous people named in the Old Testament, Noah, Job, Daniel, they're not good enough, but they're talking about a promised one to come. 
In fact, all of those guys talk about a promised one that is to come. So those are some obvious ones, but the Bible is also full of these, these uh, less obvious ones, these less obvious promises of God. There's less obvious promises of God in the Bible. So, for instance, you've got uh, chapter 6 in, in Genesis, chapter 5 in Genesis. Uh, there's a genealogy. I know you guys study genealogies repeatedly in your read-throughs. And you, you, take, you, sit, you just slow down and you go through them. But uh, the, the genealogy in chapter 5 of Genesis, it, it, it's talking like, you know, Adam. And, and, and he was like so many years old when his son Seth was born. I mean, he had other kids before and after. Um, and, then, and then he lived so many years. And a very fascinating read. Uh, give it a go. And then it's like Seth, and then Seth lived, you know, so many years, and he had some kids, and this kid specifically, and, and then he had some more, and, you know, and it, it, again, fascinating book. But there's an extraordinary Jesus promise uh, in, in that chapter. And what you, what you can see it is just by looking at the names in order, without skipping a single one in the book of Genesis and, and their meanings. So Adam, the first in the list, his name means man. He named his son Seth, not his firstborn, but, but the one in the line of Noah. Seth means appointed or given. Enosh, the next, son of Seth. Enosh means mortality, leading to death. His son Kenan means sorrow. His son Mahalel means the blessed or praiseworthy God. His son Jared means shall come down. His son Enoch, in, in order here, instructing, training, making wise. His son Methuselah, his name means his death shall bring. And then Lamech, the despairing or the lowly. And then the name Noah, the final one in that genealogy, means comfort or rest. You read these names in order, and you read this prophecy about that the promised one is going to come, and, and, and it reads like this, uh, written there on the bottom of the screen, man, given mortality, sorrow. The blessed or praiseworthy God shall come down instructing, training, making wise. His death shall bring the despairing comfort, rest. I'll read that again. Man, given mortality, sorrow. The blessed or praiseworthy God shall come down instructing, training, making wise. His death shall bring the despairing comfort and rest. Now, I hope your first reaction to that is, wow. Wow. That, that is the most clear gospel. It, this is in the fifth chapter of the Bible, right? And, and, and yet it's so clear what, what is going to happen with Jesus when this promised one uh, comes. Like he just, it just lays it out. It's clear. And some of you are like, no way could this even be possible unless, I mean, how? How could, how could you have the naming of certain children over just over a thousand year period of time that, that not the firstborns, just, just, the, just the one that are in the lineage of Jesus, from Adam to Noah. I mean, what are the chances? Unless, unless Jesus, unless the God of the Bible wants to say something to you that you want to know, like, you want to know what's most important from the beginning, that the praiseworthy God is going to come down and teach and make the despairing Rest. Give the despairing rest. 
that there's, that, that there's hope. You know, I, I look at that, you know, like, how, why would God, how, how could this be and, and less, unless Jesus and what he's going to do someday from Genesis, what he has done already, is so essentially significant that he's going to guide the naming of people for over a thousand years so that we can be so clear that, that Jesus is the promised one, he is the one, he is the most important one, and his life, his teaching, what he does, what he accomplishes, is the most important thing to look at and to pay attention to in all of time. For a thousand years, he worked on that message to us. Wow. Jesus' life, his teaching, his, his ministry, his message. When we're looking at, at some of the, the stories and the teachings of Jesus, you, you might find yourself thinking, oh, man, I, I don't know what I think about that. I just, I just say to you, zoom back, friend. All from the beginning of time, the arrows have been pointing to Jesus. This is the one. This is my son, says God. Listen to him, says God to the disciples. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is creator. He is the first of heaven, the commander of heaven. He is the one who makes things right. He is the, he is the, the, the promised one, and he's the savior. He's the savior. I mean, something significant happens when we get to the gospels, and, and this is why I'm starting with this theology before we get into these stories. Uh, something happens in the gospels um, because this supreme high God... The, the, the one who has all the power to create everything that has ever been created, visible and invisible. The, the supreme my God, God of the Bible, Jesus, he empties himself for a few years. He empties himself of his godness, not his godliness, but his, his godness, his all-powerful godness, and, and he let that go for a time. This is what Paul writes about this in Philippians 2. He says, Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, says this translation. Probably every translation has it uses a different word. It's a very difficult word to, 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 to get on top of. But, but basically, that, that he did not consider equality with God as something that he's going to take advantage of during this season of time. He's going to stop. He's going he's to empty himself of, of that advantage that cheat code, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. He, he's going to empty himself of that. And in, instead he emptied himself, verse 7, by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the, like, the, the likeness of humanity, and, and when he'd come as a man, okay, so he's emptied himself. If you only think of Jesus in how he is during that 30-some year period of time, you're missing Jesus. Now, it's a really significant moment. And we're going to spend a lot of time just thinking about Jesus and talking about that Jesus. But don't miss who Jesus is. Like, like pretty much always from before the beginning till after the end, like Jesus is, is, is God. In this brief moment of time, he's emptied himself. We got to keep this in mind. And he, and he did this to accomplish all that needed to be accomplished. To bring forgiveness to everyone who would believe in him. To, to rescue all that need rescuing as they believe in him. To, to um, make a way 
for you to be reconnected with God if you believe in him. To make a way for the curse of mortality and death over your life to be broken. And yes, we're going to die. But God is going to raise you from the dead. You believe in Jesus and you are going to have new life. And if that seems weird to you, uh, I hope you can make that shift so that it seems amazing to you. And that you would believe and delight in some of the, the greatest good news of the Bible. These few years of, of, of earthly life and the gospel, they are, they, are, they are the most pivotal era in history. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, Genesis is pointing towards it. Revelation is pointing back to it. Worthy is Jesus Christ, says the book of Revelation, the Lamb who was slain. Every direction of the Bible is pointing at the, the moment of Jesus uh, walking the earth, and, and we're going to be looking at that. Um, oh, we, sh we should look at Philippians 2 a little bit more. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he come on, uh, when he had uh, come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The first of heaven, the first of earth, the first of all things. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is one, is the one. He is Lord. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the, the first, in the first place to the glory of God the Father. I want you to know the great news that, that Jesus did exactly all that needed to be done so that you could have hope. So you could have hope for today, so that you could have hope for your future, that you could be forgiven that you can be forgiven of all things, that, that every even hint of evil can be removed from you, every shadow of darkness, so that you can stand and, and abide with holy God. Jesus doesn't just break down the division between us and God. He, he also sends God to, into you. He sends the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit he doesn't just break the separation. He, he, he connects you to God in this extraordinary way so that, as, as the book of Peter says, we are now partakers in the divine nature. I don't even want to get into the theology of that awesomeness. What Jesus does is this extraordinary restoration work. Jesus is God, picture, creator. He is the, the commander, the, the number one. He makes things right. He's the promised one. He's the savior, and he's the victorious one. Every knee bows. Every knee is going to declare that Jesus is Lord. Worthy is Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the, the, the only one worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because by his death, the only worthy one. Okay. So as we, as we got, go into our study, and we're, we're going to have a good time going through the Gospels and, and looking at this Jesus. But I want to just keep remembering that this Gospel moment, this, this brief moment of time, is only one moment in Jesus' existence, and it doesn't capture the, the no, his normal reality. This is the moment where he's emptied himself. But we're going to remember who he is. 
And doesn't that make it that much more significant? That it's not like Jesus, this perfect person, died and, and, and rose again and saved from sin, but that God, the creator, stepped in. Why do we listen to Jesus and do what he says? Especially if it's very different than how we want it to be. Not just because of the cross, although that's enough. <laughs> Not just because he was crucified and on the third day God rose Jesus from the dead. That would be enough. But that's, that's not the only reason why we listen to Jesus. It's not the only reason why we set our lives to believe in him and to follow him and to, to, to say, okay, I think this, Jesus thinks this, so I am going to um, surrender my thinking and embrace Jesus' teaching and I'm going to live the way of Jesus. Why am I doing that? Because he is who he is. It's because of who he is. He is who he is. That's Yahweh. That's, he is who he is. Because he, he is God. That, that's why. I hope we're getting that today. Jesus is a big deal. And what a treasure it's going to be to spend our time where the whole Bible is pointing at. This person's life. The, God's, the, Jesus walking. Uh, I'm super excited about this. I'm super excited about this. Now, uh, I, I have a plan. I'm not giving you this challenge because I don't have a plan. I have a plan. Um, but the challenge is this, if you were going to teach, you were going to teach four messages, I'm going to teach more than four messages, but if you were going to teach four Jesus messages, let's say for a weekend retreat, and again, I, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to you, get you to do my work, I, I, I've, got, I've got a plan, but, but if you were to teach four messages about Jesus from the Gospels, not including his death, burial, and resurrection, just four Jesus moments in the Gospels, what four would you pick and why? What is it about those four that jump out at you and, and you would you, uh, as a bonus, email it to me. I've gotten some emails today from some people and, and it's great. There's no wrong answers in this. Just, just like, hey, you know, here's the four that I would do. No, I am not. I'm not filtering people out for the weekend retreat speaker at some, some camp or something like that. I'm just, it's just fun. It's just fun to, to go through, okay, what stories capture it for for, for you. Again, no wrong answers. But that, that's the challenge as we kind of get going. What stories for you capture uh, Jesus' life and teaching other than his death, burial, and resurrection? Good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bless us as we get going here. Uh, go ahead and you close your eyes. Jesus, I don't even, I don't even know... <laughs> What to say, I, I marvel at, at who you are. I'm humbled by who you are. And I just ask you to open our eyes more and more so that we can see and rejoice and delight and cherish who you are and how significant it is that you came, that you taught that you were crucified, raised from the dead. God, I just pray that you would cause us, that you would cause our hearts to, to capture this and respond in a great way. Now, maybe some of you in this room are thinking, I need to give my life to this Jesus for the first time. I do believe it's revival season. I believe people are going to be giving their lives to Jesus and, and being saved. Either, either maybe you've been away from Jesus for a very long time, 
and you're like, okay, I'm going to rededicate my life to Jesus, or I'm going to give my life to Jesus for the first time, I suggest praying something like this, a, 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 like a, a vow moment to Jesus between you and Jesus in your heart. I suggest praying something like this, God, here I am. I now dedicate or rededicate the entirety of my life to following Jesus. I believe. Help me in any area of unbelief. Forgive me. Help me. Lead me. Guide me. And fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk in your ways. Now, if you did this for the first time or if you rededicated your life to Jesus for a long time, just encourage you to raise your hand. This is not for me. This is for you. I did this this morning via video. I wasn't even in the room. It's for your heart to confirm what the decision that you have made yourself. I encourage you to raise your hand and be like, yeah, I am making this decision to follow Jesus. In this next season, this is how it's going to be. Giving people, to re- giving people a moment to respond and be like, yes, I am going to follow Jesus. And then, and then after that, if you've given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to go up for prayer and say, I gave my life to Jesus. And what they're going to do is they're going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon you in an extraordinary way and fills you. Fills you. Uh, do that. Don't miss this moment. Father, we praise you. We praise you for your work. We praise you for your, uh, for your son, Jesus. Uh, Lead us, uh, let revival break out, in Jesus' name, amen.